Welcome to the Platform Podcast. My name is Amrit Rai, Director and Head Recruiter of Platform Sports Management. On this show, we are talking with former Duke women's tennis coach, Matt Manasi. Matt is going to be sharing some insight into the college life as a tennis athlete and will also be sharing his experience at Duke University. We are very excited about this talk today. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Platform Podcast. My name is Amrit Wright, and I'm super excited about today's show. We have a former NCAA Division I college coach joining us. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Amrit, pumped to be here, man. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Hey, thank you so much. I know a lot of tennis athletes will be excited about this conversation. So, Matt, you've been involved in the college system for a while. Tell us about your college career. Yeah, um, well, I've been coaching for for six years now, but as a student athlete, uh, I started at USC, uh, University of Southern California, as a freshman, um, and and then I transferred actually to Purdue uh, in West Lafayette, Indiana, and uh, finished my playing career there, and uh, and then got out into the real world. But yeah, I had college tennis was awesome, um, had a fun time, still keeping in touch with a lot of my teammates, so uh, the relationships were very important for me, and uh, still use them today. Awesome, man. And like, you know, a lot of tennis players out there listening to this podcast, they want to play college tennis. From a student's perspective, how does college tennis work? How does the conferences work? What conferences were you in, et cetera? Um, yeah, I mean, so to answer that your last question first, um, I started in the Pac-10. It was the Pac-10 back then. Now it's the Pac-12. Um, right. And then uh, over to the Big Ten, uh with Purdue, but in terms of the conferences, yeah, there's three, three or divisions. There's three divisions, division one, two, and three. Um, division one, I guess is your top division per se, even though there are some really strong, uh, high end D two and D three schools. Uh, but in division one, you have your main power five conferences, ACC, SEC, uh, PAC 12, uh, big 10 and big, uh, yeah, big 12 as well. Um, and those conferences, I guess, have the most resources. They're the most. Uh, they have football backing them, most televised. Uh, right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's there's opportunities uh, across all the conferences and all the divisions uh, that that will fit your need depending on what you're looking for. Absolutely, and talk us through what was like your normal tennis day. So you know, you, obviously, you've got the fall season and the spring season, which are completely separate, um, styled. Uh, how did it all work? What was, what, walk us through one of your days. Uh, as a student athlete. Yeah. yeah as yeah. a student athlete. Yeah. Uh, it was a long time. It seems like a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot of times it was, uh, early mornings. I mean, you definitely have to be ready and prepared for the daily grind as they call it. Um, but yeah, you could be up at, at five 30 in the morning sometimes for 6am lifts or conditioning sessions. Uh, we did that three times a week. I remember from my time at Purdue. Um, and then after that, you, you know, you had class from usually anywhere from eight till 12 or one o'clock. And then, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, get your, your lunch somewhere in between there, get, get, uh, energized for practice. Then we usually, we had practice from, uh, you know, two to four or four 30 in the afternoon. And, and you're going to study hall at night and it's pretty, you know, during the wow. week and, and during uh, season, it's pretty jam packed with focusing on school and tennis and obviously your travel on the weekend. So it, it does take a lot of discipline, uh, time management, all, all those things that you hear about. 
but it's not it's not all um it's not all daunting you know it, it's not it's not something that can't be done i think once you once you find your your groove with it and you have uh, great teammates around you to help you. You have a lot of resources at all these schools with uh, student-athlete academic advising, uh, tutors, all of that as well. So you're not alone. You have your coaches helping you. You have your teammates helping you and a ton of resources. So it really becomes a fun thing that you get used to. um, And the grind is something you look forward to. So I think it was a a great thing for me and a lot of my teammates. And it's helped us uh, when we've got out into the real world, into the, the workforce. Awesome. Awesome. And so how does it work? So in a conference, uh, there's a lot of people listening to this, by the way, that won't know how conferences work. Obviously we do, but so in a conference, there's a number of university tennis teams inside that. And so what's, what's the, what, how does it work? Do you have to win um, every match and be the top of your conference to go to the NCAAs? How does it all work? Yeah. So uh, let's say, I mean, I'll just say the ACC conference cause uh, that's where I've been coaching. It's the most fresh in my mind with sure. 16 teams. Um, there, in terms of winning your conference, you in our conference we play every team once on the women's side, and uh, you obviously it goes by the best record and your head to head. And at the end of that, you have a regular, you're crowned regular season conference champ based on who's who has the best record. Um, every team is then allowed to go to the conference tournament at the end of the year in April, um, and you're slotted in a tournament according to your record during the regular season. Uh, and then it's right. just a, a tournament format, just like anything else, you know, single elimination. Um, and, and then that crowns the uh, conference champion, uh, tournament conference champion. In terms of NCA birth, um, there's an algorithm that the ITA uses, uh, the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, based on your top 10 wins. So you're actually um, awarded more points for your good wins rather than your bad losses. Uh, so coaches, So coaches will try to schedule uh, their opponents kind of based on how they see their their level of their own team that year and how they're going to get the best top 10 wins versus, you know, uh, negative ranking points for their losses. And usually you want to, you, you know, right now you need a 500 record. So uh, win over half your matches uh, to, yeah. make, to make the NCAA tournament. Um, and right, I mean, you're if you win the conference tournament, you'll get an automatic berth. Uh, otherwise, usually it's around top forty uh, rankings in the country will get the uh, automatic berth in Tansays, and then obviously the conference champions from all the different conferences uh, around the country. Awesome, awesome. That's so informative, and I know a lot of parents would would really appreciate that information. So, so right now you were saying just before we started this podcast <laughs> that you're packing up your apartment, you're choosing a different career path. Yeah. Tell us about your time at Duke. Yeah, no, uh, Duke's been great. I was at uh, Oklahoma State before here and Wisconsin before that, but um, yeah, I decided to come to Duke. Uh, it's it's in a great part of the country, Durham, North Carolina, beautiful place to live. It's actually very close to UNC. Um, which is in Chapel Hill, and then Wake Forest, which is down the road as well, plus NC State. So there's we're kind of in the triangle with four four very um, impressive universities, uh, both in tennis and, and academically. So yeah, Duke's been Duke's been great for me professionally. Uh, I've had a chance to work with some of the top um, student athletes in, in the country. A lot of uh, for us at Duke, we're, we're fortunate in, in a way to be able to recruit uh, American predominantly, uh, just because of. of kind of the reputation we, we've we've really gone stateside for most of our recruits so i've been able to recruit yeah. and work with uh some of the best american players which which was a change um to my previous position at oklahoma state 
and it's been great. We we got to the semifinals uh, two years in a row of the NCAA tournament. Uh, had a tough loss to Stanford my first year, and then Georgia last year. I wish wish we had those back, but uh, no, it's it's been a fantastic experience. But uh, I'm looking forward to kind of the next next stage of my career, maybe working on tour with with some professionals. And uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about my time here. I've really uh, developed a lot of good relationships with the players, uh, the staff, and uh, it's a it's a hardworking group. There's plenty of resources here, so it's been fantastic. I know Duke's got a lot of hype about the athletics, about the different sporting teams, yeah, but yeah, I know sure. your basketball team is one of the best in the country. Have you been to any of the basketball games, and did you watch those guys like Zion compete? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I definitely got tickets to uh, Duke basketball. All, all the uh, all the athletics here were phenomenal, but Duke basketball is something that's different um, than any other place, really. It's a special environment with, uh, you know, obviously Coach K is – one of the most uh, recognized coaches in the world with his work with the Olympic team and all of that and Team USA. Uh, Zion is a human highlight reel. So watching oh, him yeah. uh, <laughs> was unbelievable. Actually, one of the games we went to, uh, I was fortunate enough to get the Duke UNC tickets this past year. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was insane. That When he uh, blew out his shoe, I don't know if you if you saw that game, but he uh, in the first I remember minute, that. Yeah, yeah, first minute he blew out his shoe and the, the – air kind of went out of the stadium but uh president obama was there so it's it's uh athletics is definitely hyped in in the u.s i mean it's not just uh obviously tennis is, has an unbelievable following and and great crowd support but obviously basketball football is a little bit higher right now but um coming to these schools not just duke but but all these you know fantastic schools across all the different conferences you're going to get um just a lively atmosphere around all athletics and i think it adds a lot to the college experience um not just for the student athletes, but for for all the athletes and for the the towns that you're in and in the communities. So it's a, it's a really special thing. Absolutely, that's what I love about the college system. You know, like it's it's a great thing competing as a tennis player. You know, representing something bigger than yourself and having a scholarship uh, to finance your costs of of studying, etc. Sure. But it's also being part of that wider culture, you know, like lining up for days, trying to get tickets to the basketball games. Yeah. You know, everyone painted in blue, going crazy. I've seen sure. the highlight reels on YouTube. It's absolutely unreal. And so, Matt, you've you've been involved at the top end of the college system where a lot of players are transitioning from going sure. to a college team to the, to the pro tour. Tell us a little bit about that and what – do you think it's a good pathway for athletes that want to go pro? You know, those, girl, those girls that are like – UTR, high 10s, high 11s, or the guys that are like 13 plus that are in those top 25 ranked colleges, do you think it's a good move for them to go into college and then go to the pro tour and why? Yeah, I think I think that's a loaded question for a lot of reasons, but I'll get to the, the first part of the answer, which I think is yes. I think it is a great idea because I think a lot of, first of all, if you're not top 200 in the world, uh, WCA or ATP or in, in that range before you're going to school. I think it's a great idea to go to college to get that experience and to mature mentally. Obviously, you're going to mature physically. You're going to get better at tennis. But I think a lot of kids aren't quite ready for the grind of the tour, not just the travel and all that, just the mental toll it's going to take to be on your own and really achieve the goals that you want. Um, I, th- I think it's great to be around teammates from different cultures, different environments. I think it's going to help you grow. Uh, I think you face a lot of adversity in school, whether it be, I don't know, just learning how to deal with being away from home, maybe for the first time for some of these kids, learning how to deal with some of these uh, other teammates from other cultures. Maybe, 
you know, when you when you're a junior tennis player, uh, in a lot of cases, your coach is basically employed by your parents. It's uh, in some capacity, right? They're the ones paying the bills. Where yeah, yeah. when you go when you go to college, um, you're not necessarily in control. So that that gives you also a different dynamic where you have to learn how to maybe take constructive criticism a little bit better. Um, and it just allows you a chance to to grow as a person. You're going to be put in a lot of different uh, situations that you maybe you weren't used to in, in high school. So I think it's, it's great. And I think it, I think the competition, first of all, in college is way higher than most people think. So there's a lot of kids out there that are top of the junior ranks and they think they're going to come to college and just dominate. And that's usually never the case. Uh, yeah, true. You know, true. on the men, on the men's and women's side, you have a ton of players ranked inside, you know, the top four or 500 in the world that do great things, uh, in the summer on tour. So, uh, the, the level is definitely there. You know, is is college exactly like the pro tour? You know, if you're a top 200 WTA or ATP kid, I'd probably say to go straight to the tour if you're if you're ready for it. But I think you have to have the re- like if you're going to make that decision to go on tour, you have to have the resources, you know, financially to to pay for your coach and pay for training and pay for travel. And then you really like you really need to know in your heart of hearts it's that what you, that that it's what you want to do because. If you're not fully committed, I, th- I think the tour will eat you up. Um, so I just yes. think I think kids need to really make this decision, or you know, take their time in making that decision. And it does not hurt to go to school for, uh, you know, at least to try it out. Why not? I mean, you, you really have nothing to lose. Exactly, you got nothing to lose. You uh, you can and you can always go to college and then check out of the college um, career early, but you can't go on the pro tour. I think go to college like two years later when you realize, oh, actually, you know, I actually want to go to college now because of sure. all the eligibility rules as well. So, you know, that's another thing too that um, athletes should consider. So obviously you've been on both ends of the recruiting process. You've been a student athlete trying to get right. a scholarship, but you've also been a college coach that has recruited athletes as well. When you are recruiting athletes, um, do you look at video highlight footage and what do you look for? And also... And the second part of that question is, uh, do you look at the UTR rating heavily as well? Yeah. Um, so for for me, I've been in some fortunate situations the past couple of years to really recruit the higher end of of the spectrum. I mean, at Oklahoma State, we were a you know NCAA final team and and, and quarterfinal team, so we, we were looking at the top end. And same with same here at Duke. So um, in terms of video. And that kind of thing, I haven't really been inclined to watch a lot of video. There have been kids that have sent them, but normally we we kind of go off uh, rankings. Yes, we use UTR heavily, uh, but we do we go out to a lot of tournaments and scout and watch head to head you know results and ha- game styles and talk to their coaches and talk to their parents and and talk to the the players themselves um, to develop that relationship and and see what they what they really want out of their college experience and what they're looking for. And on the flip side, I would also recommend to a lot of these players or student athletes um, to really interview the coaches that they're and the schools that, you know, they're thinking about going to, because I think a lot of kids commit too early with, you know, a couple conversations and I would encourage them to really, you know, you need to be transparent with what you're wanting out of your college experience. Um, It's, it's never, you should, they should never be afraid to ask too many questions. They shouldn't be afraid to maybe reach out to members of the team and find out what it's really like. Uh, maybe reach out to former players as well. 
um, and just see what you're really getting into. Because I think once you make that decision, it, it is a big decision to, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, foreign kids are moving across the world and, and leaving their homes. And obviously U.S. is it's the same, but a little right, different. Right. Um, it's a big decision. And I think these kids need to really take their time and ask the right questions and 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 be transparent. And I think honesty is key. You know, a lot of these coaches are going to ask you a lot of tough questions as well. Um, and just be honest. And sometimes it's sometimes the school that you think is your dream school may really not be the right fit for you. And that's OK. Uh, I think the best thing is to, it's to find the school that really fits what you're looking for, what they're looking for in you. And then it, it's going to be a perfect marriage or, or close to it once you're there. And, and the goal is to really have a great four years and have a fantastic experience. And I think if you do your homework on the front end and ask the right questions on the front end, it makes it a lot uh, more smooth and easy transition. That's awesome. That's such good information for athletes to listen to. I know a lot of them will take a lot away from that. So thank you so much, man. And um, when when should athletes start thinking about the college process? So should they start thinking about it when they're 15? Like when should they even start the process? You know, when should <laughs> they be doing their first SAT? What, what do you recommend? Um, I mean, that's, that's a loaded question too. I think, you know, <laughs> you know, right, I'm right, now, on you, man. <laughs> right, right now it seems, uh, and even, I mean, the recruiting rules have now changed a little bit too. So kids can come on, uh, campus for an official visit. Now they're at the start of their junior year of high school. So, um, things have changed in that regard. Uh, I mean, I think kids from what I've seen, especially on the women's side, kids are starting to commit a little bit too early. Um, I would wait. You know, you're going to have plenty of time to make this decision and high school isn't forever. You know, like the, the time you have as a junior tennis player around your family and to enjoy those moments, that's not that's not forever. So I would try to put off the decision, honestly, to a little bit later. I, I would start thinking about it, you know, early junior year or maybe at the end of your sophomore year. But I, I wouldn't have these kids rush into really putting so much pressure on themselves. I, I'd put pressure on themselves to learn as much as they can in school and make sure that when they do take the SAT and all of that stuff, that they're going to get the best grades and make sure they're putting all their effort into being the best tennis player they can be and, you know, the best son or daughter they can be. And and when the time comes to look at schools, they'll be, they'll be prepared and they'll be able to put their best foot forward. But I think overstressing about it early um, can, can be detrimental to their, yeah. their overall growth. I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that do commit too early and then they find out that, you know, they could have improved so much and they could get something better Correct. in their senior year. But, I mean, I think a lot of athletes, I think you nailed it. You, they should start when they're sort of in their sophomore, junior year thinking about it. I mean, obviously yeah. it's not just talking to coaches on Skype, but there's so much planning that goes into your right. college, um, you know, where, where you're going to for your college um, scholarship you got to do the NCAA eligibility requirements. You got sure. to do 16 core courses. You got to plan those courses. You got to plan your schedule, making sure that you're not playing just tournament after tournament, but tournaments that right. are really going to impact your athlete CV in a positive way. You know, sure. dropping yourself in stronger competition because obviously, as you said earlier in this podcast, you look at players' results. And so having results against stronger opponents is always going to be an advantage. Um, but making sure you're ready for those as well. So, you know, for your sophomore and junior year, for those that live in Australia and New Zealand listening to that, is your third to second year away from graduating high school. So 
that if that puts it into perspective for them. But look, that's really valuable information for them, Matt. Thank you so much. So what's your next chapter now? You're out of the college game. What, what are you doing next or are you just trying to figure that out? Uh, trying to figure it out a little bit. I mean, I did um, the past uh, week or so. I was at the U.S. Open with uh, some friends, and we, uh, I actually started a podcast uh, just as kind of a side project. Um, nice. Much talking about any, anything pro tennis. Uh, you guys can follow me on the Double Fault Podcast uh, on Spotify. But boom, uh, <laughs> there we go. But, uh, there we yeah, go. Exactly. I, I plugged it, and thanks for thanks for setting that up. But um, in terms of my next move, I'm moving back down to South Florida, where I'm from, and uh, hopefully get in with. Uh, professional tennis uh, coaching on tour um i coached you know ali risk for a summer back in 2016 and and i've done some some tour travel as well uh in the past year or two so i'm hoping to get down that road and kind of see where it takes me but uh you know i've, I've had a great experience in college the last six years i think it's it's uh, helped me grow professionally and and i think uh i've you know obviously made a good impact on, on a lot of student athletes that I still have relationships with today. So I'm excited about that as well. And I can't wait to continue following them as well as they, they grow throughout their careers. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the next, next step. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, so much for joining us today. This has been an amazing chat with you and best of luck for the, for the upcoming year. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you got some valuable information out of today's talk with Matt Manati. If you want to learn more about the college system, check out some more podcasts on our iTunes and Spotify channel. If you want to get in touch with us, visit our website at www.platformsportsmanagement.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day.